Groaner, groaner. Oh. Ray was back there this morning, helped me with the, the ramp in the back to get some of the snow off and pulled out this big old sack of salt. He pulls out his knife. Well, it wasn't quite that long. <laughs> Cuts it off, and he said, this is how you do it. And I go, that's pretty sharp. That's better than yours, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. Good to see you all. Sure missed you last week. Yeah, I was uh, kind of just messing around for a couple of days and went up to Springfield, Missouri, saw one of our old friends there. He's not very old. Uh, yeah, Anthony Hall, if you knew him, he he's a youth pastor up in Springfield and took over um a youth group of about eight, and he's running 110. Does that tell you something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Praise God for that. L- ladies, one, two, three, that are worshipers. Let's just give them a hand clap. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Help usher us into the right place and praise and then worship. They, they spend a lot of time on that, you know. I mean, it's a commitment. and Because, uh, you know, they don't sing like me. Somebody said, praise the Lord. I carried, I tried to carry a tune in two buckets. And I decided it was, was going to need about five or six, so I just decided to drop that off. <laughs> but we praise God for them. Brad works with them. Other people work with him on his team. And um, they're here to practice and go over everything. And, um, yeah, really good. And by the way, for those of you that haven't noticed the center screen has had some adjustments, and it's a lot clearer than it was. It's not perfect, but it's a lot better, and during the worship segment, it really shows that. And so that was Brad's little project, and he let the light shine better. Amen. And one other thing that I want to make mention of, and I may mention it a little bit later in the message but we are doing a podcast now, okay? Let's talk about it tomorrow is the name of it. And if you do a search for that on YouTube, there's one other, who is it? There's one other person that says something similar. So there's only two of us. You know which one? I'm the guy. She's one, a well-known female. I can't remember who it is, but it's a well-known. I can't remember. But uh, anyway, you need to watch that. And we have a little handout back there, and if you know what a QR code is, you can get it like that. If not, just go to YouTube and put in, let's talk about it tomorrow. And it's a 15-minute segment, give or take, take a little bit. And we talk about subjects that nobody wants to talk about, okay? Um, and, and Brad's really spiffed this thing up. It was his brainchild. And I just said, hey, let's do it when I heard about it. And we, on this fifth, the fifth one that we've done now, uh, we talked about how the, the church should handle the 
LGBTQ issue. And there's a lot of people that don't want to talk about that. And there's a lot of people that some of them are way here and some of them are way there. There's the progressives are way off here and the fundamentalists are way over here. And I just think that we need to handle this, the truth in love. The truth in love. And we address that on there. And I think if you'll listen to it, I think I want you to get the gist of it. That every human being is treated as being made in the image of God. And if you love them, you will tell them the truth. But it takes a relationship to a certain level to be able to get that done. And I just want you to take advantage of that. It's real important. Subscribe to it. And I like it. And the more people that we get to do that, it'll raise us up in the ratings. Francis, it takes about a year to really build it. I'd like to see it built tomorrow. And I think that because we are willing to address some issues the way that I really believe that we'll all agree it's the way Jesus would do it. Um, you don't get anything done by walking somebody and slap them in the face and saying, you need Jesus, you dirty rotten sinner. And you don't get anything done by just letting them do whatever they want to do and agreeing with it. You know, neither one of those work. Jesus always loved people. He was love in the flesh, and he always told them the truth. He was truth in the flesh. And some of us are, you know, a little resistant and all these different things. That's okay. The time will come if you're actually praying and believing, I believe God will give you people that you can help. And there are a lot of people, how about all the young people that, teenagers, you know, they're, they're trying to find themselves and they don't need a nudge in the wrong direction. They need somebody to grab them by the hand and say, let's walk this direction. This is the way to go. So the whole thing boils down to, will we talk about it? And the answer is, amen. We're not going to run away from the hard decisions. We're not going to run away from the things that the world says we ought to do. Most of the pastors of rather large churches are, are just don't want to talk about it. They just don't, don't want to talk about it unless they're really forced. And there are so many fallacies involved with that issue. And we need to see the young people in our country have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is vital to the survival of Christianity in America. A revival's breaking out all over the world. We need it in America. We need it desperately. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as we go on. But that is so important that we realize and be like the sons of Issachar where they, saw, they realized the signs of the time. They saw what was going on and they addressed it. Now, are you with me in that? Okay, I knew you would be. It is so imperative that we get generationally connected. Okay? God has no grandchildren, okay? So we need to make sure that, that we're connecting to your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, the next-door neighbors. I was out throwing snowballs for 35 minutes yesterday with four kids, okay? They flagged me down when they saw me driving 
just down the street. This one kid, he'll run out in front of me. And of course, I like to play like I'm going to hit him, but I've been backing off further every time. <laughs> I'm just not, just don't take any. <clears throat> roads weren't icy, but <laughs> I don't want to put any dents in my car, you know. <laughs> but yeah, 15, 13, 12, and 10. And uh, they plastered me. <laughs> I got snow down my back and everything else. And then they decided that they'd be nice and started cleaning my driveway off. So, you know, we've got a relationship there. And that's what it's all about is when you have an opportunity with somebody, you know, join in with them. Join in the conversation. And pretty soon, the Holy Spirit will open up something for you to be able to say. Now, that's what it's all about in life. That's what it's all about. And... And all those kids, by the way, are saved. Three of them are brothers. They're all saved, and I know that. But my gosh, why should I neglect the kids that are saved? Okay? My gosh. And they, they have fun. You know, they call me the old man sometimes. Sometimes they call me a Marine. Some, you know, it's just different things. And uh, I dragged one of them. I slid him on his rear end with holding his legs for about 40 feet in the snow. <laughs> Gave him a ride he hadn't had in a while, so, you know, that was the oldest one, by the way. About wore me out, but I didn't let that show. <laughs> well, so much for that, praise God. So glad you're here today, and I'm so glad Jesus is here today. <laughs> well, if you saw the text announcements, uh, you should know that uh, we're talking about revival. Uh, actually, I was trying to say there's a gully washer coming, or the gully washer's on the way, and Cammie uh, uh, tries to make sure that everything is complete and full. So she told you all it was a revival. I wasn't going to tell you that. I was going to wait till you get here, and you think, what's a gully washer? What's a gully washer? Uh, well, if you're from West Texas like I wasn't, I was from Central Texas. So some of us Texans know what a gully washer is. How many people from Oklahoma know what a gully washer is? Okay, how many people have any idea, no matter where you're from, what a gully washer is? You, you voted twice, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Double-minded. Lay hands on him, which, Jeremy? A gully washer is like a rainstorm beyond your imagination. It's when the clouds open up and the rain poured in. So that is what a gully washer is like. Actually, um, I do want to give you a little shock sometime in my titles. So, you know, really keep you on board. What's that about? My pastor talked about a gully washer today. i tell you what. Yep, tell them. Now that the cat has been released, who let the dogs out? What is wrong with America today? Surely you have your list. I have mine. How long is your list? Mine only has two words on it. And one of those is an article. The. That's the first word. The. Yep, 
But the next one is the one that counts. That word is church. What's been wrong in America today? The church hasn't stood up and be what it's supposed to be. The church would like to sit down and have warm fuzzies and find out about all the things that make you feel good. And I'm not talking about anybody in this room today now. Come on. I'm talking to people on YouTube. Because I know you all aren't that way. Amen? Okay. But the church is the one that's supposed to be the one that influences society. The church is supposed to be the one's ministry of reconciliation. We have people yelling, screaming, jumping all over the place. You know, look at the news. Look at what happens in Washington, D.C. Look what anywhere you go, there's all kinds. Of, there's uh, these uh, stand-ins and, and all these type of uh, people coming together to try to uh, stand against something. And then there's somebody else that comes in. And they're going to have a demonstration against the people who are demonstrating. And before you know it, it's just a mess. It's almost like anarchy. And there's no respect for law and order and decency and the rights of other people. I shouldn't say no respect. There's not enough by any means. There is little respect. It's like, if you don't agree with me on this, then you're crazy. You don't agree with me on this thing, you just don't know. If you don't agree with me on this thing, that's just because you're this, you're that. And words get thrown around all over the place and have no meaning behind them. The church is supposed to be alive and relevant. The church should influence society. The church should be light bearers and truth bearers. The church should show and manifest the love of God. Jesus says that the world may know you by the love that you have one for the other. So we have people in churches that have a different opinion than we do. So do we try to win them or we try to shoot them? Okay? Paul says, I am all things to all people that I may win some. You're not going to win everybody. But you can win some. You can win some to the cause, to the righteousness. And, and when it's a talk about Jesus, which if it's Christian to Christian, that should be a topic, then that talk should be one in decency and in order, not slamming this or slamming that. I know I've had conversations with people online. They don't talk to me in person. I guess they're afraid of me. I don't know. Online where they go off on a rampant about, no, the gospel's not that. The gospel is, and they get into this social gospel. Well, that's not the gospel. That may be a part of what we're supposed to do because we should infect the world around us. But the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save sinners like me. That's the gospel. That though I deserve eternal punishment, he has given me the gift of eternal life. And he's called me to be an ambassador for him to share that fact with other people. 
That's what it's all about. And in that part of it, that we need to be able to be aware of how that we share the gospel with different people. And I always love to take people back to the garden, then to the cross, and then what it means today. Because God created everything perfect, although man messed it up. Jesus took care of it at the cross. And what it means to me today is if I agree with God and confess Jesus as the Lord and believe with Him, believe in, in my heart that He is my Lord, and bow my knee and confess Him as such, I shall be saved. Then I need to get my head in the Bible and have my mind transformed to His Word to see what His Word says about it. That's the life of a Christian. And if the Word has attached itself to me, in me, if it's engrafted in me, it should have some results in me. I'm not what I used to be yesterday or 40 years ago. If my wife was here, instead of rejoicing in heaven, early ticket, she would say amen to 40 years ago. Because she knows. But that's the joy of becoming a Christian. Is that I don't have to be an old fuddy-duddy. I don't have to be caught up in me all the time. I can actually be free from me. I saw a wonderful cartoon yesterday. It's on that Christian Humor Facebook page. And this guy was, he had another guy in a chair. And the guy in the chair had a hood and a rope around him, he's tied to the chair. And the guy is standing there and he goes, I am going to see now and let it be revealed who the person has been that's trying to keep me from my walk in Christ. And he goes over and pulls the hood up. It's he in the chair. So your biggest enemy a lot of times, if not all the time, it's the person you see in the mirror. <clears throat> Moving right along. Jordan Peterson, who some of you may be familiar with, he's a, a psychologist, a scholar, Canadian guy, um, came to Jesus recently. And I don't know about his walk and everything, but I just believe what he said and the fact that he, he knows the Lord. And he says some very interesting things. And it's interesting when you see somebody that's a new Christian, what they say. What, how do they say what they say? How do they mean it? And it's, sometimes it's kind of shocking because you think, this Christian just put me in my place. They've known Jesus for a month. And they did it sweetly, nicely. Jordan Peterson says, if you're a Christian... Act like it. That's deep. Act like it. He said, you should show it. You should be different. And that's the issue. That's one reason we need to fellowship. Doris and I were talking about this a little bit while ago. You need to fellowship with other believers. You need to have the advantage of other people speaking into your life. People that you can count on. Iron sharpens iron, not butter. 
And if you're watching a TV set and that's all you get, that's one thing if that's all you can do as far as your physical ability. But if that's all you're getting, you're not getting what God sent other people around you for. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as the day approaches. Ooh. You wrote that, Jesus, meaning that <laughs> right now especially? <laughs> mm-hmm. The day. <sighs> we need to fellowship. Iron sharpens iron. Discourse, communication, challenging, asking. We need to have accountability partners. We need to have people that we can share things with and people that can share their things with us. We need to be able to look at other people and see how they act. Young people need to see some of the old farts and how they act in church. I'm in the group, so it's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jaden. <laughs> what about these young Christians? <laughs> Uh, praise God. They need to get it. They've got what, they need to get what you've got. You can be in ministry 24-7 almost, take out the sleeping hours. Sometimes your ministry is a smile. Sometimes it's a pat on the back, it's a handshake, it's a recognition it's a Gucci Gucci goo. That is what Christianity is all about. Love and joy and peace. Do you take time to touch other people's lives? You know, maybe I need to invite Jordan Peterson to church of tomorrow so you can see what real Christians act like. Ah, just a thought. Just a thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then I'll ask you this question. What would he come back to tell him if he was spent a couple of days in your home? Yeah. Just a question. Yep, I better keep moving along. He may be able to point some things out in your life, as would anybody, as in my life. I, those young kids in the neighborhood, hey, sometimes, you know, they can say something. It's like, hmm, yeah. And, of course, sometimes they can say something. It's like, hmm. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. Tomorrow's literally uh, is one, literally, of thousands of good churches in America. There's a lot of them. We're only one. We, we're not the ones that say we're the only ones. But I do believe what we have here is significant. And I believe it's heartfelt, and I believe it is a display of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. And for that, I commend you. Everyone who calls him or herself a Christian, or even worse, maybe one who is, doesn't display that Christian lifestyle, or maybe I should say it this way, anyone who calls himself a Christian should display a lifestyle that's different. You'll know them by the fruit that they bear. 
Okay, start off with yourself. Start off in the mirror. Start off in the morning. Start off with a daily devotion and a word of prayer to God. Revival. What is revival? What is it? In the book Revival, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the author, was quoted by a well-known person named J.I. Packer uh, in the introduction. And this is what he said, talking about Martin Lloyd-Jones. The divine presentation that revives, he argued, cannot be precipitated by human effort. Even though our not caring about it and not seeking can effectively quench the spirit and block it. We can't create it, but we can block it. To acknowledge our present impotence and cry to God for such a visitation is, as he saw it, a supreme priority for the church today. That was written in the 1980s. Wow. How much more is it needed today? But we shall not do this until we grasp the need for revival. And that will not happen until we see that nothing less can help us. Until we see that nothing less than revival can help us. Self-confidence, however, currently masks this from us. Shall we ever change at this point? We're puffed up with what? Pride. There is a a holy confidence. And I hope you have that, but I hope it's not in you. Our confidence should be in Jesus. And what he is able to do, what he will do, how he will, no matter come what may, we'll be standing strong. And we'll be able to stand against the forces of darkness because of our relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing Him. I glory in my infirmities that knowing my weaknesses is His strength made perfect. I've read quite a bit about revivals in the past years. I've never seen one yet that didn't start in at least one person humbling themselves before God and praying and agonizing in the spirit for revival. And then usually they pick up some other people pretty quickly. And I don't care which revival it is. The ones in the uh, 19th century <clears throat> with, with people like D.L. Moody Started ministries, an 18-year-old guy, just finished high school, never went to college. Became one of the greatest evangelists of that century. One of the top three, probably. (coughs) He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't give up. He goes to a pastor, and he said, Sir, I would love to have a Sunday school class in your church. The pastor goes, I will allow you to do that. He goes, hey, great, thank you so much. Where would I meet? He says, well, I've got a room over here you can have, but you'll have to get your own people. Pretty sharp pastor, huh? So what does he do? He goes out and takes kids, 
gives them a penny to come to church. <laughs> Loaded up the building. The simple gospel. We hear about D.L. Moody uh, Bible Institute. Uh, he was not that deep in the word. He was deep, 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 though, in the gospel. Charles Finney, another guy, go through upstate New York riding horseback. Didn't have a fancy car or a chauffeur-driven limousine. Moving right along. He had a horse. And he would go to these little towns and he would get two or three denominational churches to come together and he'd hold meetings. And great things would happen. The power of God would fall. And the people that didn't get saved, he would go on their door the next day and sit down and talk to them. And the thing that about him, 75% of the people that were saved under his ministry were still serving God five years later. That's a very high percentage if you didn't know it. Sam Jones, a Methodist minister. Sam was humorous, funny. haven't read a lot about him, but I, I know some about him. He was right up there too, one of the top guys in the 19th century. And then when the particular guy came over from Germany and started infiltrating the Methodist church, Sam left the year after Mr. Bounds left. Stood the ground, kept on preaching, leading people to Jesus. Read the, the revivals. Marie Woodworth Etter, a little lady, 1890 to 1910, had a ministry, had a very, uh, most people have gone through the things that she went through never would have gone in the ministry. She had all these people die in her family. I mean, really, you know, and she's probably about like Charlene's build, but about six inches shorter. But this one woman started to have meetings, and she preached. And then a little later on, she got the healing message. And then a little later on, things started happening in her meetings that the mind of man did not understand. It's been noted that she would preach and she would stop in the middle of a sentence, be that way for 24 hours, and then the next day, stop in the middle of the sentence where she picked up, pick up where she left off, I mean. Glorious things. One little lady, I told you all about uh, Faraday, Louisiana here recently. I won't tell you that one. Charles Parnham, Kansas, Bible College. He has a little, uh, one of his students, Agnes, I get their last name mixed up with somebody else that was a movie star one time, so be careful on that one. Anyway, they're getting ready to have a Christmas break, and she goes to Mr. Barnum, and she goes, what's this in Acts 2 about these tongues? And he goes, I don't know. Those of you that are staying back during break, why don't you pray and ask God? That could be dangerous to your carnal mind. 
So these Bible students had a praying fest, and they not only were filled with the Spirit and spoke with other tongues, but they also spoke in tongues for hours during the process. It was noted one person 24 hours nonstop. That's what you call supernatural. Charles Palm came back, says, what happened? She told him several days later he was filled with the Spirit. A little bit later on, he goes down to Houston, Texas, wherever that is, a little, little place down there, and has Bible training. There's an older black gentleman, one eye, Daddy Seymour. They wouldn't let him in the room. They put him out in the hall, the church that was holding the meeting. And Daddy Seymour sat there and soaked it all up. And he went to California and started a revival that would go on for years. You may have heard of it before. It's called Azusa. One of the greatest revivals that's hit this country ever. Daddy Seymour. Get to give him a hug in heaven. And I could go on and on and on and on, just mention these things that are so wonderful. God is God, and He can do whatever He wants. But He has this tendency to move by our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for you must believe that He is, and He's rewarded those who diligently seek Him. And God hears from you, and God wants to move on our behalf. He's looking for sincerity. His eyes are going to fro all over the earth, seeing, <laughs> oh, I believe we could do a revival there, Jesus. What do you think? He said, yeah, Dad, let's go for it. Holy Spirit goes, here I go again. That is what life is all about. Real life. It, it, it really touches my heart when I see these billionaires on the news Man, they think they've got it made. I got $85 billion. I got $110 billion. You better enjoy it, that's all I can say. You better enjoy it. Nothing wrong with having money. It's what you do with it that counts. Huh. What you do with it. Somebody, one famous guy once said, you ought to store up in heaven because it rusts and it dissipates here on earth. Oh, yeah, Jesus said that. We have a treasure in heaven that's beyond our comprehension. And I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I want to see a lot of people in heaven that I, somewhere along the line we've touched. Somewhere along the line in heaven, we sowed into their life, or we watered into their life, or we had somebody that was in tomorrow, and they touched their life in a such a way that they came to Jesus. Sometimes people won't come to Jesus for a while. That's okay, as long as they come. How are we going to find out if they'll receive the truth or not unless we give them the truth? That's our position, our opportunity, our pleasure. Is it fun to share the gospel? I promise you it's a ball. And the thing about it is, you're never going to know until you do it. And the first two or three times, you may 
I just don't know. See, your opportunity is not, it's not your responsibility to save them. It's your responsibility to tell them the truth. Because there's two other people in that conversion that are involved. The person that's being converted has got to receive the conviction and then move and respond to what the truth is. And the third person in this is the Holy Spirit. He has to take your words and convict this person of sin. I don't know how many times I heard the gospel before I got saved. But when I was ready, I was ready. And I know the Lord worked on me a long time. It's, what do you call it? The old nut that's too tough to crack? Yep. Well, he cracked it. Whoever falls upon the rock shall be broken. Hmm. Hmm. Possibly my favorite quote about revival, and I don't even remember who said it, so I don't know who I'm quoting, but revival is a sudden inrush of the Spirit. End of sentence. A sudden inrush of the Spirit. Anybody? Uh, A.K.A. chapter 2 in the book of Acts. <coughs> there came a rushing mighty wind. You know those things still happen today? Why did I say what I did about the church? This, this, where the world sits today, we cannot blame it on the world. They just don't know any better. They love their sin. It's up to us to wake them up and see them what the wages of sin is actually done. Are we representing Jesus as the Lord of our lives? This is what we can do. Just our lifestyle. I remember in a business situation, <coughs> this one guy, one time, he had a dirty mouth, and he was always telling some kind of a joke or story, and I remember walking up to him one day, and he started to tell this, and he said, I'll see y'all later. He couldn't tell it without cussing, and it's not me, it's Jesus is hearing him. But there was conviction upon him not to say that trash when he knew somebody around him wouldn't receive it. And he didn't want to be confronted with it. No going down on the sin list this morning on what's wrong and what's right. First of all, because I want you to get home before dinner tonight. Before dark and, you know. Secondly, I don't want to start the flesh in anybody, but what about more meaningful things? What about the influence of the church that can move in our society? How, what can we do in Oklahoma City area? Make no mistake about it, morals are vital in order to sustain and help flourish any society. Oh, and godly morals carry an automatic anointing with them. I'm reminded of Smith Wigglesworth, the old English apostle, coming into a railroad car, sitting down. This man across the seats, you know, back then you had a little compartment and you had seats facing this way and seats facing this way. Wigglesworth sits down and he's there for a few minutes and the man says, my gosh, man, you convict me of my sin. 
Wigglesworth had never said a word to him. He knew there's something different about this guy. Okay, let's just take a couple of things to work on for this week. Can we please come together and agree what we agree on as the church of Jesus Christ? I don't care what your denomination is or isn't. I don't care what your, you know, if you're pro this or anti that, whatever. Can we agree? Can we find what we can agree on? And when we don't, can we at least make an attempt to discuss it privately? Unless it's really heresy. People call everything heresy now. But if we have a disagreement with somebody else, can we talk about it someplace other than Facebook, YouTube, and etc.? Can we treat people with dignity as created in the image of God? Time for a commercial. Remember the podcast? Okay. How many of you will get on YouTube and will like it and subscribe to it? I've got one hand over here. Okay, that's more like it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Remember, there's a little sheet back there to pick up. Uh, or Brad and Cammie both be glad to help you. Can we communicate why we are a Christian in a few simple doctrines? If you're here tomorrow, you should be able to do that. If not, either you or I'm not doing our job. In other words, can you sit down with somebody and they say, why are you a Christian? And you say, well, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and light. No man comes to the Father except through him. Well, I don't believe in that Bible. I don't know about that. It's been changed. It's been da-da-da-da-da-da. You need more than just quoting Scripture to an unsaved person. Okay? The Bible is infallible, yes. But the truth of the matter is, they don't necessarily believe that yet. You've got to get a point of reference with them. You've got to be able to have a, an agreement on where you can start from. And the fact of it is, they know they're a sinner. And when you point that out that we've all sinned, you don't have to say, you're a sinner. I say usually something like, you know, we're all sinners. We've all come short of the glory of God. And when you understand that God is holy, you understand that stealing a nickel is a sin because he's perfectly holy. It's not this or that, it's this. If you steal a nickel, later on you'll steal more. If it's okay to steal a nickel, next time it's going to be a dollar or a candy bar or this or that. He's about changing our heart, transforming our lives. Now, I'm ready to start the message. How about y'all? <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 47. Zeke is given a vision in the last nine chapters of the book that's got his name on it. And of course, anytime that you start seeing visions, he's describing it the best that he can. And there's a lot of different things that you could bring out of this. We're going to bring out one aspect of it today. I was noticing that uh, one person a while back uh, didn't even want to talk about the last nine chapters of Ezekiel because he was, you know, waxing eloquently on describing the whole book till he got to that, and he, he just said, well, that's, you know, it's different. <laughs> so regardless of what you may or may think about Ezekiel, God is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. And this story 
has, it may have two or three or four meanings. It could mean something about the, the, the rebuilding of the, the, the temple. It could be about building the new temple. It could be about the temple that will be built that's not built even yet. It could be about any of those things. But it also has a message, I think, that's larger about that. As the prophet spoke, and as God is stirring the words, because what he has done before, he will do again. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. It was an angel. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. Don't get all tangled up on all that. Just know the water's coming from the temple. Verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Cubit is a measurement of a foot and a half probably, but we're not sure about that for sure. And then led me through the water that was ankle deep. That's just kind of like some kids playing in, you know, kick water, you know, ankle deep. Okay. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. For those of you taking notes, the water's getting deeper. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? I preached on this some years ago uh, about Ezekiel, and that was the name of the message. Do you see this? Do you see revival in your heart? Do you see a move of the Spirit of God coming in? And it's going to be a little bit at first, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. And the deeper that we walk out to want to get in it, the deeper it's going to be, and the more meaningful it's going to be, and the more people that can get in it at the same time. This is a type of revival, if there ever was a type of it. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, is what Jesus said. He had tuned the move of the Spirit and the Word of God and the Word of the living Word of God coming out of our innermost beings. And the more that we get involved in the Spirit of God moving on our behalf, the more He will release. The only hindrance is what I read about in that first quote, is us. You're going to quench Holy Spirit or are you going to say, I need some more water? Yeah. Now some people take this to mean that the first water was like Acts 2, and the knee water was uh, the, uh, the first great awakening. The wastewater was the next great awakening, uh, and so forth and so on. doesn't really make any difference. The thing it means is God will send revival. He's told the prophet to share this. We're reading it today, and where does that revival come? It comes in my heart. It comes in your heart. 
It comes to the heart of people around us to receive the next move of God. People ask me, what's the next move of God going to look like? I say, I don't know. It's going to look like a revival. I'm not going to tell God how to do it. He knows more than I do. Let him do it the way he wants to do it. Just do it, Lord. Just do it. Can you see this? <laughs> That's what it's all about. Can you see God coming in this place today, this country that doesn't deserve it, with people who don't deserve it, and give us everything that we need through a great and mighty gift called revival. Resurrender. That song's a little rough, you know, when you first sing it the first couple of times. We need resurrender. But we need resurrender. It needs to start with the remnant. It needs to start with the small group who are dedicated to God. Those of you that were at the last Wednesday night meeting that we had, we, we heard about the Hebridean revival and how two little ladies well up in their years, one of them blind, one of them crippled with arthritis, ushered in the move of God. They couldn't even get up and go to church, but they prayed where they were for the church. And that revival lasted some years. Little islands northwest of the UK part. It doesn't make any difference who you are. There's no excuse. There's nothing that can stop us except for pulling the mask off and seeing the person in the chair. Oh, it's you. Let me get off my duff and do something about it. Our heart needs to be wrenched by the living God. So he pulls out of us every ingredient that he's already placed in us that we're ready to expose ourselves in a way to the world to see reality of the leadership of Jesus Christ and the kingship of who he is. Is he your Lord? Is he your king? Is, it the, is he really the first and the last? Is he the Alpha and the Omega? Is he the one that was in the fiery furnaces of life and came along when Daniel was there because he'd been praying? There's going to be fiery furnaces in your life. And I tell you what, Jesus, the fourth man in the fiery furnace of life, will show up and he will deliver and he will carry you through it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Revival. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. Verse 7, when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. This is talking about Jerusalem. It's talking about a lot of sand. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and, does, and goes down to the Ar Ar Arabah, where it enters the sea. This is so important that we catch this. Jerusalem was one of the few minor cities that was ever built somewhere other than on a river. But God built one. God built one. When he says it empties into the sea, see if you can figure out which sea this is. The water there becomes, becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish 
Because the water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. I'm talking about the Dead Sea. Dead Sea is so salty you lay, lay on it and you don't even go down in it hardly. It's so salty it floats. God wants to make the dry places in your life living, a life churning with life. He wants to put a tree by you. He wants to have this water flow from you. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He wants to, I love this. This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down to Arabah where it enters the sea, where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. It's so much of it that it takes the salty, undrinkable, unusable salt water and floods it and makes it fresh. And I don't believe it's just, you know, putting enough fresh water to overtake the salt water. I believe the salt water... As this water comes into it, it makes it fresh, turns, changes it. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. I love what God, the way he writes. There will be large numbers of fish. What did Jesus say? I'm going to teach you to be fishers of men. Because fish represent people. They represent people. Because the water flows there, it makes the salt water fresh. So wherever the river flows will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore. Evangelists will be standing on the shores of the bodies of water that's giving from the, given from the temple to be able to flood the area with the move of the Holy Spirit. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi. To in England, there will be places for spreading nets. The second great awakening, the fields, big large fields, would have people preaching to groups of people. There's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. This guy's got 20, this guy's got 120, this one's got 50. This is a 16-year-old girl over here. They're all preaching the gospel. The fish will be of many kinds, <laughs> young, old, short, tall, black, white, brown, male, female, just how the church is made up. Cammy probably be right there in the middle of it. The fish will be of many kinds like the fish of the great Sea. Where's the great sea? Read Revelation. It's in heaven. Well, I'm getting this good, man. This is good stuff. The great sea. Like the fish of the great sea. Like the people in heaven. Woo! Jesus. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. Some people would say that that's just to leave salt so you can have some salt. No. There are places that won't receive it. There are people who won't receive. 
I'm not going to be moved by that. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. He's not talking about some mammy-pammy revival. He's talking about a real revival. It goes on and on and on and on and on. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. What's he doing here? He's taking the garden over here and heaven, the new heavens, and bringing them together. Talking about the rivers, the trees, the tree of which one? The tree of life. Revelation talks about the trees and the fruit, and they eat the leaves for healing. Come on. Revival will connect the garden and the heaven that was yet to come. Do you see this? That's what I call a gully washer. Praise God. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. I want to challenge you. You too on YouTube, you don't get a pass on this. I want to challenge you to take this home, study it. Uh, the message will be up tomorrow sometime. And you can re-listen to it. You can study Ezekiel 47 to your heart's content. Ask the Holy Spirit, how about me? What's my part? What can I do? How can I affect change in me in order to affect change in the world? Because, see, if, if we just go out of here and talk about, hey, I've got something to look forward to, that's, that's not going to work. That won't get us anywhere. Do you see this? It's going to take committed people who are diligently ready to seek the Lord and say, Lord, pour out, pour out, pour out. There are many other people in this country right now that are praying that. And we can connect with them in the spirit realm and agree with them in prayer for the wonderful things that our Father in heaven wants to do. It's up to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you're giving us an opportunity to come back to you. Oh, we may not be in a known sin or something, but Father, for the vivaciousness of the relationship with you, hearts poured out to you, connecting with you, pulling the garden and the heaven to come together in you. God, would, would you show us as a church what to do, how to do it? Would you move us for recognition of Jesus and what he's done so our hearts are enthrilled with being able to say the things that we need to say, to do the things that we need to do, most of all, to be who you've made us to be. Enjoy an assignment of joy, sharing the Lord. In the name of Jesus, everybody said,
Amen, amen, amen. Uh, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Uh, I, I forgot to do this at the right time. Uh, there's a ministry that we're connected with, great friends. In fact, this couple, a lot of you know, uh, Rodney and Cresha Redis. And uh, they oversee a ministry called Eye to Eye. It's a marriage ministry for married people. <laughs> married people. And um, I have an invitation in my hand. Kelly's going to have a bunch of them. And so if you want to go, this will be your invitation. And all you single people like me can just phone with the mouth or whatever you do. But this is a great event. It, it, there is, there's a lot to it. So the package is all here. It's something that um, I endorse and would recommend if you're wanting to do that to take advantage of that. Amen. Pastor Kelly. Amen. Is the Lord good? Amen. Hallelujah. I want to reiterate, um, you guys have been so faithful in your uh, giving of tithes, and I want you to be continuously faithful uh, in the uh, giving of your tithes to Church of Tomorrow. It, it does uh, magnificent things when you uh, give to the church. It gives us the opportunity to minister and do things that we otherwise would not be able to accomplish. Amen? Hallelujah. So your faithfulness in, in giving of your tithes is, is just amazing. Uh, don't forget that uh, we have different ways that we uh, give. They're located over here on the, uh, the screen. We also have the drop box in the back with uh, the cards and the envelopes that you can use to put in the, the ties. And then also, I want us to remember that if you want to uh, get text alerts, anything that we're doing at Church of Tomorrow, I want you to make sure that you sign up for the, the texts. Uh, go to uh, tomorrow to 97,000, okay, TMRW, okay, to 97,000, all right, and uh, then this Wednesday, we are going to do what we were going to do last Wednesday, and then a snowstorm decided to pop in on us, and so we're going to have prayer and worship, okay, this next Wednesday, okay, come, uh, amazing things that God does when we get uh, to worship and pray, and uh, God comes, Hallelujah. Everyone say, God comes. God comes and he does what he wants to do. Hallelujah. Amen. John George, uh, February 19th and the 20th, there's a men's breakfast that uh, happens on the 19th. Okay. And uh, gentlemen, if you want to uh, be a part of that, register. Everyone say, register. Okay. And when we register, it gives us an ability to know how many to expect for the food. Okay. And then on the 20th, He'll be, uh, John will be here for a service. And uh, the last time he was here, it was very, uh, uh, um, let's just say it was confrontive, it was challenging, it was powerful, and it brought change. Hallelujah. And that's what we need. That's what we need as children of God. Amen? Okay. And then uh, the last thing that I wanted to share was what he just made mention. By the way, this is... Uh, that everyone can uh, get, you know, for the uh, the weekend with John George, okay, right here. And uh, so there'll be someone who will be passing them out at the back, Mr. Tim. And then uh, we're also going to have, uh, I wanted to remind you, the eye-to-eye uh, uh, sweetheart ball, sweetheart, and uh, uh, if you're a, a husband-wife, look at your look at them and say sweetheart. 
Okay? And this is on Friday, February 11th. Friday, February 11th. So it's really quick and coming. But if you would like to have uh, an invitation, here it is. I've got several of them in my hand that you can uh, uh, come and receive. Amen? Let's stand. Also, don't forget the QR codes uh, for the uh, podcast that Pastor Dan does with Brad. Uh, it'll be with, through Sarge. Sarge has the QR code sheet, and the, each one of them, the card and uh, the QR code will be passed out right there at the back as you go through the doors today. Amen. Father, we just love you. We thank you. We praise you, Father God, for your word. We are stirred, Father God, for revival. Lord, it starts in our hearts. Hallelujah. It starts, Father God, from, from the depths of who we are. And Father, we're willing to yield and to let everything go that needs to be uh, let go of. Because Father, the most important thing is that you are alive and well, not in the, just in our own hearts, but in the lives and in the hearts of those around us, in the, all the places that we go, even this nation. Hallelujah. That there is revival, active revival taking place, Lord, everywhere. And we just thank you and praise you for the results of that. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name. Take us from here, Father. We carry, Father, this word. We carry this word and release it as your spirit leads us. And we bless you and thank you for the results in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Go in the grace, the power, and the love of God. If you need prayer, there are uh, those of us up here that will pray with you. Amen.